Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture associated with wine. In this episode we're going to look at terroir, a term which is used a lot in wine, but which is not very often uh, properly defined. And so terroir can be contentious, as people have their different takes on terroir. It can be nebulous, as it's just used as a broad catch-all for what goes into a wine. And it can certainly be controversial, as people um, have their own take on uh, terroir. And some people think it's extremely important, other people do not. So how do we define terroir? As I said, different people define it in different ways. But broadly, terroir is the place, where wine comes from. The soil, and how that soil affects how the vine grows. The aspect, whether it's high altitude or lower altitude, if the sun is hitting that vineyard, if it's sheltered from the sun. Is, is the vineyard warming the climate, or is it cooling the climate? It's the weather of that year as well, so that's why we talk about vintage variation. But it's also the person making the wine, the grower growing the grapes, and the winemaker making that wine. is part of the terroir, because without the humans, wine would not exist. Um, not just in the simple fact that we have to make the wine, but also that the way that we train the vines and uh, cultivate the vine and pick the grapes. And so using oak or no oak, how that wine is fermented, how the wine is aged, if it's aged in bottle, all that goes into, into terroir also. And so we have thought, that's the broad definition, but that doesn't stop it being controversial. So I want to share an anecdote, anecdote with you from a few years ago when I went to a tasting with a Greek winemaker. And I won't mention the winemaker's name, but if you know your Greek wine, you might be able to figure out who he is. But I was at this tasting, and I asked him at the end of it how important was the influence of French wine on his winemaking. Because he had lived in Bordeaux for five years, I think. Um, the, the Greeks, in general, used a French appellation system on their labels. And also, he had a jumper slung across his shoulders, rather like a French gentleman would. So I thought the French influence would be very important on him. On him. But he said no. The French are liars and they are crooks. And I thought, that's quite a big statement. He elaborated. Because they have invented this term terroir. And all terroir is, is a means of making money. They say terroir. And so they can charge more for one vineyard than the vineyard right next to it, even though the wines taste exactly the same. And so his concept of terroir was that it's almost fraudulent, a way of hiking up prices. And it's certainly an interesting um, idea, because certainly in Burgundy, terroir and price are intrinsically linked. However, he told me this, his opinion after spending an hour or an hour and a half describing the terroir of where he makes his wines, because he makes his wines in Santorini, a small island in the middle of the sea, which is formed by a volcanic exp explosion tens of thousands of years ago, which uh, is believed to have actually caused the ten plagues that afflicted Egypt in the Bible, their volcanic explosion. And so the soil is volcanic, very rocky, very dry, very difficult soils. And also, because the island is in the middle of the sea, it's very windswept, and strong winds just rush across the island. And so the local growers and winemakers train the vines into baskets. So the branches of the vine actually form a basket to protect the grapes from the wind. So if that isn't terroir, I don't know what is. So that goes back to my um, opening statement that terroir is contentious and controversial. Everyone has their own take of it, and very strong opinions about it. And so it differs according to each person, but it also differs according to each region.
So what I want to look at are three very important uh, French regions, Burgundy, Champagne and Bordeaux, and how they define terroir in very different ways, which help us understand the regions themselves. So Burgundy is the ultimate example of terroir. Terroir is each vineyard, the Grand Cru and the Premier Cru, but not only that, we have the climat. A, vin a climat is a vineyard that has its own identity, its own shape as it were, that's been um, explored for hundreds of years. And then you also have Lieu dit, which is a named place, so a, a vineyard with a name, even though it's not a Premier Cru or Grand Cru. So those vineyards all have their own identity, their own character, according to the lo local winemakers. And certainly if you do a tasting of one village, and have several single vineyard wines, whether the Lieu dit or Premier Cru or even Grand Cru if you're lucky, those wines will taste distinctly different. And that's because of the different soils of those vineyards, the different aspects of those vineyards, because the vineyards in uh, the Cote d'Or in Burgundy, they're all on the east-facing escarpments, but they face in different directions according to the contours of the escarpment. But what you're also tasting, of course, is the expression of the, of the winemakers. Each winemaker will make the wine in a slightly different way the temperature of the fermentation, how long that fermentation takes place, how long the maceration takes place to get colour and tannins from the grape if it's Pinot Noir. Also, how much oak will be used in ageing, no oak, old oak, some new oak, lots of new oak, and how long the wine is matured for. There are no actual rules in Burgundy as to how long a wine should be aged in oak for, it's completely up to the winemaker. So we have differences in styles of wine from the vineyard, but also from the winemaker. And some winemakers will tell you that they're expressing the vineyard in its true essence, where others are manipulating quite a bit more. So that all that variation really does depend on the winemaker quite a bit, but they will still tell you that terroir, the land, is so important. So I want, you to, I want to play you an excerpt from an interview with a Chablis winemaker. It's in French, so I'll let him speak in the background, and then I will translate as he speaks. C'est un ensemble de, de facteurs euh, très importants euh, qui commencent bien sûr par la nature des sols, par la, par la géologie, par, qui continuent par les bouleversements pédologiques qui ont lieu par la suite. Terroir is a collection of key factors, which is, of course, firstly composed of the nature of the soil, the geology. It continues with the different geological, geological changes that happened afterwards, in which the vegetable material, the grapevine, plays an extremely important role. And behind all this, there are inevitably the effects of human intervention, the human shaping throughout the centuries. The true essence of Burgundy lies in its chalky clay soils, which formed about 150 million years ago, with the sediment of very thin layers at the ocean bottom thus forming a kind of milfoy pastry, composed of a diversity of successive players, and this milfoy is broken by the alpine force with faults, and this has created a diversity of orientations, east, northeast, southeast, west, which are added to the geological variety, and which offer us the extraordinary variety that characterizes Burgundy soils. Every single Burgundy family has always based its work, its cultural practices, its vision for the final product, on what they had learned from previous generations. When I go to the vineyard here around Beauregard, in Chablis, my favourite plot is the one that I know my father, grandfather and great-grandfather have worked on. This specific link, this passing on of knowledge, this family atavism, is, I think, the true essence of Burgundy. Like what Saint-Exupéry said one day, he said that we do not inherit the land from our ancestors, but we borrow it from our children, and I truly believe in this way of seeing things.
If I succeed in passing on this kind of knowledge, somewhat in better conditions than the ones in which I inherited, well, I would have won the game. To me, it is really this idea of handing on knowledge, this idea of preserving, of caring for the land, leaving it in good conditions, conditions in, it in which it could live and grow, a land on which one will be able to produce wines, offer them to our clients, wines we like, wines we wish to see, wines which embody Burgundy. So that is his Burgundian take on uh, terroir, and that's probably the best and most traditional definition of terroir, the history of the land, and interpreting that history of the land, using the past, basing it in the present, but also building for the future. But that's not the only way that terroir is defined. So if we go to Champagne, the terroir, or the concept of terroir, is a little bit different. Because here, the Grand Cru and Premier Cru definitions refer to villages rather than the vineyard, so villages like Buzi and Ai. And this is because, in part, terroir is all about blending, and this goes back to Dom Perignon uh, 300 years ago. Champagne has an extreme cool continental climate, so vintages are very diffi difficult and they vary from year to year. So blending becomes extremely important. So blending the different villages together, blending the different vintages together, which is very common in Champagne for non-vintage wine, also blending the different varieties together, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and uh, Meunier. That all becomes part of the terroir. Not only that, Champagne, like Burgundy, is very fragmented in terms of vineyard ownership, and so growers are very important, and in fact 90% of the land in Champagne is owned by growers, even though we know the names of the big producers rather more. So those producers, such as Moete Chandon, Veuve Clicquot, Bollinger, Tattinger, Krug, etc., etc., they're buying a lot of their grapes from the different growers. That's also a reason why blending is so important, because they're not making wine from their own property, they're making wine from all over the region. What this means is that the producers become part of the terroir also. And so when we think of Champagne's terroir, we maybe think of the villages like Buzi, but most likely we think of those huge producers that we see in our shops very commonly. And of course people will pay a certain amount of money for the producer rather than where the wine comes from. So that the terroir changes here, not just about the land, but also about the production and the producer. And then if we look at Bordeaux, another famous important region, terroir really becomes about the producer more than where the wine comes from, arguably. So if you think about a Bordeaux label, do you see the name of a vineyard on the label? And the answer is no. Whereas in Burgundy, it's extremely common to see the name of a vineyard. So it becomes much more regionally, or much less regionally specific. Regionality, of course, is still important. Thinking of the villages of Saint-Emilion and Pomerol, or Margot, Poyac, Saint-Esef and Saint-Julien, for, for instance. So that's still important, but the name of the producer is really an integral part of the concept of terroir in Bordeaux. And just to reaffirm that, we think of the 1855 classifications, which defined both Burgundy and Bordeaux. In Bordeaux, the 1855 classification was all about the producer, so Premier Cru, etc., etc., all the way down to fifth growth, were the names of the producers, which producers commanded the highest prices, defined what level of growth they would be. In contrast, in Burgundy, there was also an 1855 classification, and that classification was all about the vineyard. And that was the basis for the Grand Cru and Premier Cru classifications in the 1930s and the 1940s. So that highlights the difference in, in 
the concept of terroir, but also in the concept of winemaking and also wine drinking in the regions of Burgundy and Bordeaux and why they are so different. So terroir varies from region to region. Would you even use the word terroir in association with Bordeaux? Certainly not in the same way that you would use it in association with Burgundy. At the same time, producers will still use this word to give an authenticity to their, um, to their wines. So to conclude, what is terroir? The problem is that in English we haven't come up with a definition or a translation. We just used a French word without really defining exactly what it means. And so it can be used by winemakers and wine critics and wine drinkers all around the world without actually properly defining it. So maybe if we came up with an English word, we'd un understand the concepts of terroir better. But as I said, the concept does change from region to region. So how do you define it in one word other than terroir itself? But to conclude, terroir is everything that goes into a wine. It's the soil, the location, the climate, and the weather conditions for that year, and the vintage itself. But it's also the production, how the wine is made, and how the winemaker interprets the, uh, the grapes that he has um, bought or grown. And it's also the history of the region. Part of that is romance, but part of that is actual fact. People have worked out over the years which vineyards are better and which produce different styles of wine. And most importantly, terroir emphasizes the local differences and the regional differences that go into wine. The differences within a region such as Burgundy, but also the differences between Burgundy, Bordeaux and Champagne and all the other wine regions of the world. So thank you for listening. This has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink and I am Matthew.